do we all realize that we were 45 minutes in before we ever even talked about the fact that Josh is Tyler's brother? <laughs> I know. And we we still have not explained to anyone who Josh is or why he's even here. So do we just do this show as show one? <laughs> are we going to are we going to go back and explain it? Go back and explain like what the point of the show is? Yeah, or like who who Josh is. <laughs> well, so my point my my thought is like here's where my you know creative editing headache goes is this conversation starts starts the show. Yeah. Right? The, the conversation we're having right now starts the show and then we figure out an interesting way to transition it into the actual show. All right, so are you going to cut you're going to cut this and put it up front? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that would make sense, right? To Okay. So you, you know, so you want me to just like I can just say something that makes it a little more intro-y. Or you could even just put this whole thing right now as the intro. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. It's like a it's like a crazy meta intro, right? It's like mm, hey, are they doing the an intro? intro? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're kind of doing an intro, but they're not really doing an intro and like you know, they're trying to tell us that Josh and Tyler are brothers and Corey's just this random guy who knows both of them from college <laughs> and you know, like they're trying to say these things, but they're not actually saying these things, but they're kind well, of saying these things. So if we were going to cut this off before people's heads exploded, then I would say something like, "Hey everybody, welcome to Herd Immunity." Uh, this is the first or second episode, depending on what Corey decides to do. Uh, and just remember, you can be heard. And we are trying to start uh, not only a podcast, but a community. Uh, we're working out where that's going to be hosted right now. But we want your feedback. We want you guys to be a part of the show. If there's anything you hear that you agree or disagree with, obviously, uh, you can you can go ahead and state that. But if you have opinions, it's more about it's it's more about your opinions on the topics than it is about whether you think uh, Corey and Josh and I are right or wrong. Um, what's your input? What do you have to say? We'd love to hear it. So if you're looking for, if you're looking for where to go to give feedback, you're looking for where to go to be part of the community, you're going to go to herdimmunitypod.com or, uh, you're going to check out the show notes and the show notes are going to have links to all of that stuff. So I'm a cheapskate, like I'm a cheapskate through and through with like everything in life. Um, even though well, the only thing I'm not Tyler and I talked about this last week is computers. Like I, I won't cheap out on computers and, and things like that, but my phone, I will. So I, uh, there's a plan called visible or, a like a new cell phone provider called visible. And they're, a they're one of like the smaller ones off of Ver the Verizon network. Well, they're running this crazy deal on the iPhone SE. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this crazy deal, but that means I'm going to have to switch my plan and port my number. And then I don't want to keep visible service because their service isn't as good as Mint Mobile. So I'm going to go back to Mint Mobile after the two years and I get my $200 gift card. And like, I'm playing all this shucking and jiving and all that stuff. Well, last night was the night I pulled the trigger on making the cell phone switch, uh, the cell phone plan switch. Mm -hmm. Dude, totally bombed. Their activation sucked. <laughs> like, I got into this activation loop where it just kept asking me to hit the activate button and then restart my phone. So I'd, so I'd hit the activate button, I'd restart my phone, and then it would say, hit the activate button. So I'd hit the activate button and it would tell me to restart my phone, right? And here's the thing. Here's the point of this whole story. It has nothing to do with that because they fixed it today, right? They had to do some wacky, wonky stuff on their end uh, in the background. But here is why the story is interesting to me. Why does the payment button never fail <laughs> like if they want my money if they want me to subscribe to something you know they want to process a transaction i mean they can take my money quicker than anything and it, it never fails but to get like service working 
ah, oh, sorry, we got to put you in the 24 to 48 hour hold period where we have to escalate you nine times to, ah, oh, it's like, it just drives me nuts. It just drives me nuts. I have a similar cheapskate story that backfired uh, horrendously last week, if you, if you don't mind. I'd love it. So Natalia wanted to uh, me to build her a raised planter bed for on our deck. Natalia's my wife. And uh, so we started pricing it out and everything. And it was going to cost us, we thought, maybe $50, $60. And... Um, which isn't terrible. Maybe maybe a little bit more. Maybe closer to seventy. And she was like, "I bet I can find it cheaper online." And I was like, "Seriously, I really think that I can, I can do this." So a couple hours later, she goes, "Look, I found it online. Forty dollars. Made a cedar. Everything we want." And I was like, "Okay, all right. Well, let's do it. I guess." Turns out, the payment button definitely worked, but it wasn't a real company. And so uh, we realized after three or four days, when our overnight shipping didn't work and uh we called paypal and they did some investigation and then we ended up paying 70 dollars to build a planner box we thought we were going to save 30 dollars, and we ended up losing 40 plus the cost of the planner box those are my favorite ty do you have a do you have a turns out story for us i'm on a refurbished hp so that's my answer <laughs> <laughs> every every time every time you turn it on every time you turn it on turns out turns yeah. out yeah listen i i uh that was my thing was like I was so anti-Apple for no reason other than just to be anti-Apple. And it just carried through to like where I just won't buy one. So plus they are more expensive. So I was looking and I found a refurbished HP and I'm like, oh, this is a great deal. And now it wants to restart and update every time I turn it on. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, all right, Josh. So we, I don't know how much Tyler talked to you about. We did like episode zero of like you know, death, death penalty, and then kind of injure it ourselves last week. Has he told you any, has he told you any of this? Cause tell me where, where you are. I am right now that I heard from him that, let me read the text. If I <laughs> okay. I okay, said, okay, good. we're off to, we're off, we're off to a great start. <laughs> I said, what is it about music and art in general? I want to talk about how much you guys get into it. And what you think about interpreting songs, for example, also whatever other random crap. So that's where I'm at. So uh, what I didn't explain to Josh is that the usual format for this, and by usual I mean all those other podcasts that will never air from like five years ago um, and five years before that, uh, is that I just surprise you with a topic most times and then just see what your reaction is in real time. So I kind of gave him a primer a little bit, which is more than you usually get, Corey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel good about, I feel good about this. I mean, I, you know, in every way, shape or form, I think we're going to be, you know, skyrocketing straight to the top. I mean, I think, you know, I think Spotify is going to come, they're going to come try to grab us for, you know, 50 to a hundred million dollars <laughs> tomorrow. Hey, probably. So I'm down for that. What do you, what do you think about that though? Do you think he should have went, do you think Rogan should have went to this exclusive? Oh, is that a real thing? Okay. So, so, yeah, Joe Rogan's podcast, which um, let's say – I don't know how tr- how accurate it is, but the rumor on the street was he had – he was getting 100 mo- 190 million downloads a month. Okay, whether whether that's all the podcast or whether that's podcast, YouTube, all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because he was putting it out everywhere. He was doing sure. the general feed of the podcast and he was putting out the YouTube channel. Um, so he was getting – let's just say 190 million um, views or listens a month. Mm-hmm. 
Spotify locks him up. Spotify locks him up to where he's exclusive now to Spotify. And the only full length things he puts out will they'll only be on Spotify. And like, so I, I try to pay attention to like the independent podcast world, um, you know, just goofing around and listen to other shows and they're like losing their mind. All these people in the independent podcast world, because everything's going to be behind a paywall and a content wall. And, you know, nobody's, you know, you're going to have this show and I need this service for this show and this and this service for this show. So it's basically they're worried that it's going to go TV. Like it's going to go just like streaming services and TV. So what do you think about the fact that he made the decision to intentionally go Spotify? Well, I mean, you have to think, uh, obviously, it probably makes financial sense for him. I mean, it's probably going to drive up subscription or, or viewership on on uh, Spotify. But I, I feel like that would kind of alienate me as a listener, even if I did have the, the premium membership to just be like, dude, I'm done. Now I'm thinking about if I was in the same position, would I do it? Yeah, did they lock him up for a number then? Like they gave him a lump sum or they're giving him some profit sharing or what? How does that work? I don't know. I don't I don't know if they've put out those details. And if they have, I haven't read those. Because if it was for a bag of cash, then yeah. The one the one that I feel fairly confident on, the number that I feel fairly confident on is he's in a like a year commitment there. But I don't know how much money. Well, that was kind of like Howard Stern when he went to Sirius, like the first big name to go over there. And he took that, you know, $100 million or whatever it was. Um but I feel like his popularity has waned even after that. And I'm sure he has a lot of listeners over there, but I don't think Sirius has been, I mean, successful, but maybe what they thought it was going to be, unless everybody else has Sirius and I just drive a 2007 Chevy Cobalt that doesn't have it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not have okay. Sirius because I, I listen to podcasts on my phone. That's what I do. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, what else do you have to add before I go on my, my rant about this? You're continuing a rant about this? Uh, yeah. Right. I'm excited. Okay. All right, well, then I'm ready. You, I'm ready to hear you rant. Get that money. <laughs> get that money, Joe Rogan. Get all, of, get all of that money. And here's why I say that. The dude did – he's done like 10 years in like open platforms all over the place, right? You know, just putting it out there, letting people listen. And he obviously has a show that has mass appeal that, you know – millions and millions and millions hundreds of millions of people are listening to and watching why if somebody comes to you tyler like you were saying if somebody comes to you and says hey guess what joe rogan 50 million dollars for the year put your content exclusively on us 100 million dollars for the year put your content exclusively on us right like you change you change like everything with that one contract right like you get a lump sum of a stupid amount of money Right? Like, there's no way. Like, yes, you do that. You have to do that. You have to do that. I I feel like um, the danger in, like, the whole commercialization piece or whatever the, whatever the freak out is, is not really there in the same way as, like, streaming because a lot of people that have, like, super famous podcasts are already behind their own paywall for part of it, right? Or... Yep, mm -hmm. yep. So I don't see, like, if I'm going to pay for this show through this person's website or whatever, I'm still going to pay for it through premium spot. You know, I, I don't know. I, to me, it doesn't seem like as big of a deal as, as like, like if I was a movie studio right now, I would be panicked because streaming was already taken over. Now they're releasing movies early to Netflix just so people will watch them or Disney Plus or whatever. Like, 
I don't see that really going back. Like who's going to pay if I'm already paying for Netflix and Disney plus and Hulu and whatever, why am I going to pay $20 for my family to go to a movie? Like is the cinema experience anymore really that big of a deal? I, I just don't think it is. Well, and have you seen what they, have you seen what they started to do with releasing them? I mean, um, Tom Hanks is new. I think it's called Greyhound. Yeah. Right. They're not even, they're not even trying to put that in a the theater. They're just going, no, it's going straight to Disney plus or it's going straight to Apple TV or wherever it's going. I forget where it's does going. Does he play but... a, does he play a real life person? No, he plays a Greyhound and he runs after a bunny <laughs> as fast as he can. <laughs> That's an Oscar. Yeah, for sure. I think this is an inevitable end. You know, the theater was slowly going to die out, but I think coronavirus just accelerated that process. I mean, with all the Netflix binging, and every time you turn on Netflix, even in even Hulu now, how many times do you see either a movie or a series is a Netflix or Hulu original? And they're, they're, those movies yeah. are competing with the things that are in the theater. And so, you know, I can get just as much satisfaction out of a Netflix movie that's done well than a, a, a bajillion dollar blockbuster, you know, and my food's free on my couch and my drinks and refills are free as well. Um, I do think there's appeal to the theater experience, but if you think about it in the last decade, I haven't gone to many movies, but theaters that have been built, um, they have, they're trying to cater and make it, make it more of an experience. I, I was at one where they actually had waiters and they'd come to you, you had a button and they'd come to your seat and bring you uh, a meal while you watched a movie. I mean, to me, it was really annoying because you had waiters walking around during the movie that would just scream desperation, uh, please keep coming. And I, I just can't see that that's profitable, you know? Wait, can I, can I, can, wait, wait, wait. Can I tell you a story on that real quick? Go, Tiger. So I, I had a buddy from work uh, who went to the theater in Philadelphia. He was down there for something with his family. And uh, he got food poisoning and he went and bought a ticket for a movie that he wasn't going to see so he could sit in the bathroom and then every once in a while go back into the theater and try to watch part of the movie and then come back to the bathroom just so he could hide out while his wife was doing something else. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's what he used the movie theater for. Wow. Yeah. So my, my issue with it is to, to Josh's point about the, like the amped up experience thing, I go there and now they're all recliners. Mm hmm. Right. So I, you know, you sit down in the big comfy recliner. Well, that thing's more comfortable than my couch at home. So I go there and I'm like half falling asleep. I get, I get 35, 40 minutes into the movie and I'm half falling asleep. And I'm like, wait a minute, I paid $20 to come on this thing, recline back. And now I'm falling asleep at this freaking movie. Like, I can't imagine you falling asleep during the movie, Corey. That, that's ridiculous. The other thing, and this, let me, let me, let me continue with my old man hat on. Uh, the other thing that gets me with, uh, with movie theaters is I, have to wear earplugs it's so it's so loud ah. like i can't stand how loud they make the movies <laughs> yeah the amped up movie experience i was in the dominican republic when i used to live there and we're sitting natalia and i are sitting there at this movie theater and i'm sitting there and i look at her and i was like is someone eating cheese sticks in the movie theater and she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I swear there's a chicken quesadilla or cheese sticks right around me. And I turn around and there's a guy in a suit delivering a plate of cheese sticks to the person behind me. And I was like, this is a restaurant too? And she was like, I guess. And then we looked and on the backs of our seats, they had menus and we could hit a call button and we could get a full meal at the movie theater. It was so distracting. I was like, 
Nice try, but no way. And speaking of the, the recliners, I was with my old boss at a movie theater in Texas, and we were watching The Revenant. Now, if, if you've seen The Revenant, you know the beginning scene is like just murder central and people getting killed everywhere. I hear this weird noise and I look over. He is reclined and fully asleep halfway through the first scene <laughs> and woke up at the end of The Revenant. <laughs> so I hear you. It's, it's, it's hard. It's tempting. He woke up and he was like, are you kidding me right now? Why wouldn't you wake me? I was like, man, there was no, you weren't moving. There was no budging. He was like, well, it did feel really good. <laughs> so I was like, you just paid $20 and a Coke to, for a nap. And he was like, I guess they got me. And everyone out there that has children says, uh, that actually sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> yep. I'd take uh, that right now. Okay, so the obvious question is, what's the last movie you saw in a theater? Creed 2, January 2019. Uh, okay, so this is going to – it was either Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, the no. Purge. It was either Infinity War or the – Worst Star Wars movie ever created. Um, mm. Mm. I think it was one of those two. Oh, no, it might have been 1917. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was uh, going to say. That was the last movie I saw in the theater, too. But I feel like that's the type of thing that... You saw that? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? I, I Listen, I didn't get the criticism of it. I loved it. I thought it was great. People are like, it was a, it was just like a kitschy thing to do, like the one take and all that. I, I loved it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really well done. I've heard so many good things, and I really want to see it. What do you guys think of the continuous shot? I, it was so, so I mean, I'm not a film person, right? Like I like movies, I watch movies all the time, but I'm, I'm not like a film critic, study kind of person, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't care about that. I didn't know that it was like special, yeah, or that it was done in a special way, just because like when I sat down a movie started and it kept my attention the whole <laughs> way through the end of the movie. Right. So it's like, I didn't have time to think like, Oh, yep. this is an interesting cinematography, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that was just like, Oh, well, what's happening next? Oh crap. What's happening next? Oh crap. What's happening next? Josh, not to give it away, like not to spoil it, but at the same, at the same time, one of the things I think that's really, really cool about that movie is it wasn't just all about the bang, bang, shoot them up, you know, bombs exploding, crazy chaos of the battle scene. Mm -hmm. It was a story about a guy doing a thing. Uh, and that's what was really cool to me. Like, it was a really cool take on a, on a war movie. And they managed to have, like, at least one or two twists in a continuous shot, which is awesome. Yep. You know? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have noticed it. I, I've seen movies or one other movie like that, and I didn't even know that it was a continuous shot, really, um, until someone told me. But I just heard – I haven't seen it yet, and I really wanted to, but I think it came out when our son was three months old, and there's just no way that was happening. Um, but uh, I just heard feedback from people that were saying, oh, I loved everything about it, but the continuous shot, I, I just think it was so – but then I was thinking I wouldn't even known or cared. So I didn't know if it was something that people were just saying – or it actually, you know, did have an uh, an effect on the movie, but it sounds like it doesn't. Not to me. All right, uh, I want to go back to something Josh said before. Sorry, Ty, do you want to talk? No, I'm. It's, I'm just breathing a lot. I'm just enjoying the oxygen here. Okay, good. It's really great. <laughs> um, I want to go back to something Josh said. Josh said about watching Netflix movies. Have you all noticed the insane progression of Netflix, like? pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing to a line personally to a line that I don't find enjoyable. It's like 
everything has to have, you know, I'm going to sound like a prude and that's fine, but like everything has to have 19 different sex scenes in the first 30 minutes of it. And then, you know, they got to, they got to use language that like, I mean, like I can't, I, I don't even like it. It's not even enjoyable because it's so different than any, like anything that I find enjoyable. I don't know. I, I just, I've found that I don't like to watch Netflix stuff as much. I'm, I'm more Amazon prime Hulu, uh, those type of Disney plus. I like Disney plus stuff a lot. Yeah. Well, we just got a Disney plus uh, subscription pretty much because of that. Uh, everything on Netflix, you don't know what rated R or MA even means anymore. And, uh, or PG 13 and sounding like a prude Natalia and I have instituted a five, uh, a 10 minute rule, uh, for the, like any show or, uh, or movie we watch that's, uh, Netflix, uh, like in a Netflix original. And we finished, um, this show called all American, which we really enjoyed. It was really, really good. I mean, we, we watched one episode and then we just binged the whole thing and it was yeah. so good. And that we finished that like three or four weeks ago, and we have yet to find another besides like British baking show, but actual movie or series done by Netflix that we feel comfortable watching. And so we got Disney Plus and just been watching that. And it's kind of frustrating because, you know, I don't want to watch Moana or Mulan every day, but I don't know what else to do, you know? Like what, the thing that kills me is like the premise of some of the shows are so cool, mm-hmm. and then they they do what HBO did to a lot of their stuff, where it's just like, oh, let's just add this in here. Why? Yeah, because we're charging people fifteen dollars a month for the content. Uh, yeah, it's like ah, oh, it's, it's just so frustrating. But did you say All American, Tyler? What is All American? Tell me about it. It's Friday Night Lights in in uh, Crenshaw, L.A., and the coach is kind of the anti Coach Taylor, but. Um, we're, we're in the last episode of the first season right now, but it is so, I have no idea since I'm a white dude from, from Pennsylvania, I have no idea if that's really how life is in LA, but you know how shows like can even Friday night lights sometimes like in Texas, you know, there's going to be times where you can't understand what the heck someone's saying, but they would like clean, <laughs> clean it up a lot, you know, but in like in, in all American, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what they just said, but I love it. Cause in real life, I wouldn't know what they just said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Ty, that, that show gets so deep. And so uh, this whole thing with uh, Beverly Hills and Crenshaw, it, it's just, it, it was like captivating. And we watched the whole thing. I bet the whole th- two se- first two seasons and each season has like 21 episodes. So they're not skimping on you, which is awesome. And uh, we crushed it out in like probably three weeks. And the new season's supposed to start. They they got picked up for a third season in September. Yeah. But you want to know something yeah. crazy? You know the main character? Um, yeah. Uh, Spencer. Yeah. He's British. Yeah. Which uh, hit we. I just couldn't even believe it. And so I watched an interview with him about how he learned to speak like not only English without an accent, but also like you'd be someone from Crenshaw. And the director just took them to Crenshaw and they just went and just walked around, became part of the community for like a long time and just engaged people and just learned and learned and learned. So I don't know. I just thought that was really cool that they, they tried to actually not like, Hey, come to Texas and have a weird Southern accent or whatever and fake it. But like, no, go meet people from the place that you're doing this and learn the, the language and, uh, the, the slang and everything. It was just so, I couldn't believe it. It was so believable. You know what, Corey, here's the other thing. This show is just purely 
truly an amazing show on its own merits, not because it promotes anything or because it does anything with like certain people or races or whatever. Like it's just great entertainment. Um, and it, and it has a really good message, but the message is in the show. And to me, that was just really refreshing not to have to hear, um, like a meta narrative around something for once. Do you want to know something I'm embarrassed about Mm -hmm. is up until Tyler's comment, you know, what a minute ago, I assumed this was a show like a documentary of like a real life neighborhood. This wasn't like a scripted show with <laughs> actors. Well, it's based off the life of a guy who ended up playing linebacker at Oregon and then he walked on to the New York Giants. So he was he was from Crenshaw, but he like it's based on his life partially. Wow, interesting. Uh did you have you watched do you guys have have you watched anything on Apple TV? I don't have Apple TV. Remember I hate Apple refurbished yeah. hp tv <laughs> so, so last night uh i i i heard about it and i was like ah, i don't know if i feel that you know strongly into it i kind of have an idea what it's going to be like but i watched um it's called mythic quest raven's banquet and it's about <laughs> it's about like basically like a world of warcraft video game and this company that makes this world of warcraft video game and then it gets it's like real successful so they start you off on the show and like the raven's Qu- or um mythic Qu- quest is the best game ever made and, da-da-da, and then they're like and now they're about to release the expansion raven's banquet right okay and and the thing that kills me about it is it's a hilarious show it's wonderful except for the fact that they do all the things that i just talked about and it's like they push the line so far and there's so much um you know virtue signaling in it and there's so much stuff and i'm like ah, oh, this was such a good premise for a show and it's hilarious and i'm not gonna watch any more of it mm-hmm. and that sucks yep i know yeah we 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 had another show uh it was a, a spy show natalia read the description heard a lot of good reviews within the first three minutes and the the weird thing is or not weird i guess disappointing is it's not even necessary like yeah. i don't yeah. know if you've if you yeah it, it, it doesn't further the plot at all it's just random because it feels like that's just what you do today or if you're not doing that then you're not like pushing the limits and i don't know have it on um amazon prime um the the show not jack reacher but um um new one with the guy from the office what's his name jack ryan yeah yeah jack ryan i got really into it and loved it i don't know that i've ever seen a show that uses the f word more unnecessarily than that show and jack ryan's <laughs> boss in the cia it was like he put samuel L. jackson to shame i just have like no idea yeah that's like his mo he was the same way in suits which was a network show which was kind of funny oh yeah. yeah i forgot he was on suits yeah because all i can think about is all i can think about is jim helper selling paper and oh by the way being jack ryan and i'm like wait yeah this. and being in 13 hours yeah. yeah can i can i stay on can i stay on jim helper one more time i would love you to helper, helper. Can, wait can i say Just, one thing then, real quick though i've yeah, never go. seen a full episode of the office in my entire life uh, i've seen four five uh yeah this is this is this just got weird <laughs> you know what the weird thing is i actually like it now i think the hype was so big when we were in college that i like just felt negative towards it because everybody was so overblown about the office i was like you guys are crazy 
if you if you go and watch it, right? If you decide to commit to a season, um, what you'll what I I suspect you'll find is at times you'll be shocked with like how far they take jokes, right? And like how awkward the show actually gets because when like when we were in college, it was like oh like that's funny like because we're all college and we're immature and you know blah blah blah. And it's like now as we've maybe gotten a little bit more mature, you know, hopefully gotten a little bit more mature as we've gotten older. You look at that and you're like, wait a minute, like, no way. I can't believe one, they went that far. And then two, that I used to think that was really, really funny. And mm-hmm. like now I don't necessarily think it's funny anymore. Okay. So this is another interesting pop culture piece. I don't know why that's my, my MO tonight. Go with it. But um, Krasinski started a YouTube show yes. during coronavirus called Some Good News. Yep. So good. And he just sold it to Viacom, CBS Viacom, Nuh-uh. for yes, for a stupid amount of money. Um, he is going to stay in as like executive producer of it, uh, or, or at least at some level. Jeez. But Shh. somebody else is going to do like most of the hosting now, because he, I mean, he launches it. I don't even know Tyler how many how many episodes are out like six, five, something like that. Six. And it was like it was like a crayoned. Uh, sign behind his head hanging on the wall. Yes, he he wrote, uh. produced. They said he wrote, <laughs> produced, funded it, like did the whole thing, um, and basically just wanted to do something fun in a time where people weren't necessarily having as much fun. And now CBS Viacom has decided that they were gonna they were gonna buy that out from under him. But it, so it's like it's just so interesting how we started with Joe Rogan sell, um, not selling out, but like <laughs> sell out. Now, and now we've moved to, I mean, cause uh, listen, I, I told you my, my stance on that. Uh, and now we've moved to, you know, uh, Jim Halpert doing a very, very similar thing. Do you think he gets mad when people call, don't call him by his real name and they call him by his office name? I'm sure it's easier to remember than his real name. Yeah. All right, Tyler, I cut you off. Tyler, you have to go. Yeah. Okay. So my question is this, uh, do you think, so mo- movies and TV are kind of like, a little bit on the nose when they when they make something they kind of show you what it means as far as like the plot goes um but like for music specifically um that's not always the case and a lot of times you'll hear uh artists or or like singers of bands or, or lyricists or whatever will be like well i don't really want to say what this song is about because i want like people to interpret it however they want I want to know what you think about that statement because to me that's always a cop out um because you wrote the song for a reason and I feel like if people are going to get something different than you intended they're still going to get that one way or the other but like to me people deserve to know if they're paying money they deserve to know what you were thinking when you wrote it that's just that's my opinion I don't know if that makes sense it's kind of like looking at a painting and being like, it doesn't matter what the artist was going for. It's how you interpret it. I have a very strong opinion on this. I think they should tell you what the heck they were thinking when they wrote the song, because I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know what they were going through. You know, they had just eaten a gigantic pizza and they had <laughs> gas. So they, so they were writing the story, you know, like seriously, yeah. like, or, you know, mm-hmm. um, something happened in their family or, you know, something great happened, you know, in, in their life. So they wrote this, this cool song. Like I love to know the story behind the song. Uh, that's why, what was it? Is was the show? VH1 Crossroads? Storytellers. 
VH1 storytellers. Yeah, that was that was one of them. And then wasn't there one like unplugged or something like that or crossover? What was it? MTV had one. Oh yeah. My point is though, like those are some of my favorite shows. Right when the artist sits down and they're like telling you about the things. So to your point, Tyler. Well, at least I think to your point, or to at least answer your question. Yes, I want them to tell me. Don't give me this like ethereal. It's whatever it means to you, man. Mm -hmm. No, no, I want to know what you. I totally a hundred percent agree with that um i want to i love the story one of my favorite things to read is biography i want to know like what happened the person and I, I love the realness of it and um that totally changes things tyler and i went to see um uh, why can't i think of their name right now ty emory emory and hearing them talk it was like in a coffee shop just the two guys playing acoustic and you could ask them any question that formed and changed a lot of my view and thinking of a lot of their songs and even on them. Um, but it came from them. And so it, it, after you hear the story behind a song, it actually makes it harder, I think for you to interpret it the way that you want to, um, because you kind of know what they were going for, for and what they were going through at the same time. And, and, and so therefore like what the, the purpose of the lyrics are. Um, and, and at least for me personally, when I hear, um, uh, when I hear a song that I used to interpret one way, but then I know the reason they wrote it is different. It doesn't, it takes away that meaning for me, um, because it feels like it's not true the way I interpret it because it's not what the intent was. I don't know if it does that for anybody else, but, um, another cool thing was on, or Jack Johnson, I don't know, if anybody's a Jack Johnson fan, but I stumbled across this on YouTube and I think it's called the midnight sessions, but he has guys like men and women out to his house in Hawaii and they just have guitars and they sit and they just tell stories about their songs. And then they share, they swap songs and play them and sing. And then they'll talk for like another 15 minutes. And it's, it's awesome to hear like what periods of life, their lives like uh, inspired different songs and things like that. Um, and I think it makes songs and lyrics more meaningful as well. Um, so I, I totally agree. I, I, I hate the, I think it's a cop out. I just put this out here. Most of the time I think it's, I just don't want to take a stand, um, uh, for what I think or say or believe in. So I'm just going to let it ride, I guess. And, and I think the other part of that too could be that it's, it potentially is embarrassing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, Oh, the reason I wrote this song is actually really dumb yeah. and it's still a really good song, but man, where I was, it's like, it's like, if you've ever gone back and read your like old journal and you're like, Oh gosh, what was I thinking? Like, Oh man, I can't believe that was a big deal. And it's like, that wasn't a big deal at all. Like, you know, it was, it was so, so silly. But the other side of it is like, that's the positive. The other side of it too, though, Josh, to your point about you hear and you learn more about the people that can ruin a band for mm-hmm. me. Right. Like if I if I listen to them talk uh, like they're talking about, you know, a concert or they're they're at a concert and, and it's like I don't resonate with the kind of people that they are. Yep. Oh, man, I can I not be their fan real fast. I went to Warp Tour uh, in 2017 in Orlando, Florida, and I waited all day long because in, in the. This, not to go off the rails. The suck part about Warp Tour is everybody gets like a 30-minute slot. So I've never seen Newfound Glory live. Loved them forever. Wanted to see them. So I waited all day 
Um, they got slotted at 7.30 that night. And I got in at 9 because I didn't know the order until that day. So I literally... It was all these other new upcoming scream screamo type bands, and I was like, I'm not interested at all. So I literally waited to see them, and they did not disappoint. They were awesome dudes. They went and sat at a tent after and talked to every single fan. But along the way, Yellow Card played, and I used to love Yellow Card, and I, and this was their farewell tour. I came away from their 30 minute set thinking I'm okay if I never listen to another Yellow Card song again. Uh, songs were great. The way they played were great. The guys in Yellow Card, specifically the lead singer, was an incredible butthead. <laughs> when he talked about the songs and why he wrote some of the things, I was just like, get over yourself. Like, I, this is so shallow and so dumb. And it was disappointing to me because I still <laughs> enjoyed the music, but it just took all of the, what I thought was meaning in their lyrics and what I thought about like specifically a few of the guys in the band and just kind of shattered it for me. Tyler, what, what's your perspective? You didn't tell us your perspective. I have a tendency to get way, way, way too into the bands uh, that I, that I like to the point where like any personal thing about them is like an affront to me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I think uh, I always want to know why they wrote everything, but to me, it's more of like the first time I'm discovering a band, I listen to the lyrics pretty intently. Um, and it's like a puzzle kind of. So I try to see if I can piece together what I think they mean. Uh, and then, and then sometimes you find out and sometimes you don't, but I think the times that you don't find out, you end up potentially being more disappointed by the people they are. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, that's kind of unfair. I mean, they're allowed to be jerks if they want to be jerks, but, um, I don't know. It, it makes it more enjoyable for me when I feel like the people are at least, um, decent to their fans or like not conceited, even if the lyrics aren't always like newfound glory lyrics, aren't the best, you know, some of them are good, some of them are whatever to know that the people are good. It, it kind of supplements that, but Okay, so so speaking of all this, here's my other thing. And you guys can think about this because I'm springing this on you right now. You can think about it while I'm talking. I want to know how you got to where you are right now, like musically. The music that you like, the bands that you listen to. And I'll tell, I'll like briefly tell my my landscape here um, so you can see what, what I'm really asking. Can I say one thing real quick before we move on to that? Just two seconds. I don't have to agree with the... Um, the artists, like e- either um, political, whatever, whatever the stance is, I don't have to agree with them to like their music. Um, so I, I just want to put that caveat in there. I'm not saying like, oh, I listen to them and I find out that they're like Hindus or something. Like that doesn't change it. Or, you know, I, just because of that, I, I think it's more of like a personality type thing. Um, you kind of become disillusioned or disappointed in who you thought they were as a person um, or in some of the stuff they wrote, not just because they think different than me, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, so what he's saying, Tyler, what he's saying is he, he's still a Taylor Swift fan, <laughs> even though he doesn't agree with Taylor Swift. That's what he's saying. He still likes her music. He just doesn't agree with her. Uh, I After I saw the uh, uh, City of Lover thing come on the other night, I think I bowed out as a T-Swift fan. I just couldn't do it. Tyler, go. Tyler, go. Tell us your story. Uh, Okay, so um, I don't remember uh, personally liking – like I had random uh, tapes back when that was a thing, like Presidency of the United States of America, Alanis Morissette, um, Weird Al's Bad Bad Hair Day. 
the complete Beatles set that my friend got me for no reason because I didn't like the Beatles. But anyway, um, like as far as me actually liking music, <laughs> there's two distinct events that that are, I was thinking about this today. The two distinct events that are why I like the music that I like now um, with a whole bunch of other ones thrown in, but like two big ones were. So, um, I, you know, I've known Josh for almost 33 years, so he, he can confirm this, but um, like it was always like pop, pop radio in the car um, growing up. And so like I knew whatever like 80s and 90s songs were still being played on like uh, Wish FM and, you know, whatever soft rock radio thing was. And so um, the song uh, Can't Nobody Take My Pride, you know, the reggae like Can't Nobody Take My Pride that song yes. mm-hmm. yeah so i knew that song and so i went into sixth grade and like in everybody else in sixth grade i was trying to be cool and th- these kids were walking down the hall and they were talking about it i'm like that's really that was like a 1989 song probably i'm like that's really weird that these kids in sixth grade are talking about it so i like got in the conversation i'm like oh dude i love that song like blah 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 and they're talking about it and they're talking about uh puff daddy and mace with notorious big broken glass everywhere if it ain't about my money puff i just don't care and i had no idea what that even meant and i was i realized quickly that they weren't talking about the same song that i was but i was like oh yeah i love that song too so then i had to go learn everything i could about puff daddy and (laughs) big and i became an insanely big notorious big fan and and then puff daddy and and the family after big got shot and I loved East Coast gangster rap that you could buy at Walmart <laughs> because it was censored. And, uh, and, and listen, didn't you have an LL Cool J or not LL Cool J? Uh, Will Smith? No, not Buster Rhymes. I'll think of it. Yeah, yeah, it was Buster Rhymes. Yeah, I, okay. I had a Buster Rhymes. Yeah, Buster Rhymes. Oh yeah. But yeah. Uh, but I so I found out there's a song "Victory" by Puff Daddy and the Family. And I found out later that the chorus, so the, the Walmart version that I had, it just, um, it like they end the rap in the verse and then it just plays like the beat in the chorus, like whatever. And at the end you just hear, ha! And I never knew what that was. I found out Buster Rhymes' chorus is so explicit that they bleep the entire thing out of the Walmart version <laughs> and you just hear, ha! At the end. So all of that to say that that whole thing led me into like the rap rock, like Limp Biscuit. Uh, I was obsessed with three dollar bill, y'all. That was like, oh yeah, my favorite. So that led me into like Limp Biscuit, and then playing sports um, led me into like a little bit like Pantera was just kind of a generic thing, ACDC, like a little bit heavier kind of stuff. So I got I got out of pop music and into something different by mistakenly thinking people that I wanted to be friends with were talking about some pop rock song when they were talking about notorious big like that kind of evolved into that whole new metal rap rock deal corn mm-hmm. mushroom head and whatever but and we would listen to like pantera and, and acdc and whatever else um and then uh in like i want to say ninth, eighth or ninth grade my best friend found on napster i guess uh, back then that winner of 95 by newfound glory and i have no idea how he found it or why um but we started listening to it and that was all we listened to was just newfound glory. And then we got into ska, like less than Jake and stuff and, and just completely changed. So like 
I feel like if had that conversation not happened in, in middle school, I'd still be listening to whatever pop rock was on the radio. And had we not listened to the one newfound glory song, I would be listening to like Creed. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. To yeah. Creed and Limp Biscuit and like yeah, well no, what was the one album I had that the, the school took? Uh Disturbed. I had the Disturbed album. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Because yep. you're down with the sickness. Yeah, I'd still be down with the sickness right now, except and then I think all of those influences came together later in life because I was like explicitly like pop punk, emo, ska stuff for a long time. Um, but then like some heavier stuff started coming out. And uh, and I think that, you know, the previous influence of like Pantera and stuff kind of got me to where where I am today. But it's just really interesting to think how like some random events can really shape that like further down the line do you guys have any defining events for music i think obviously i think your musical taste defined a lot for me what i like and actually what i don't like i remember the name i was thinking about before wasn't busted rhymes but it was coolio oh yeah and i remember in in our old house you would listen to coolio and mom and dad would always ask is that is he swearing like no he's saying this or something and you'd like make something i remember one song so explicitly swore and you made up something so ridiculous and i was like eight or nine and i was like no what that's not what no it isn't what he's saying you're like yeah huh yeah i read it in the the jacket of the the disc or whatever and i was like that is such a lie but um but i remember from that i tried to like rap and i just couldn't at that time i like it a lot more now um so that kind of drove me the other direction. And I remember when I got into sixth grade, Green Day Dookie was like the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got it on tape and I remember playing it and I was listening to it and I actually really liked it, although I didn't know what all the references were. And all I remember is mom walking into my room and taking it <laughs> <laughs> because I was playing it so loud and it had like a bunch of just swear yeah. words and I was like actually really liking it. And she was like, uh, no, and she just took it from me. I remember you had uh, Nimrod. Yep. And you had License to Ill by the Beastie Boys. She took she took License to Ill too. I actually really liked License to <laughs> Ill, um, and I would always play No Sleep Till Brooklyn really yeah. loud. But the transition was TRL uh, into new music with like Limp Biscuit <laughs> yeah. and Running Home and uh, trying to see who was the top ten. Mm-hmm. I remember literally sprinting up our hill mm-hmm. from the bus yeah, stop to get to get to the house to watch to watch TRL. And that's when, like, I think I was just open to a lot of different music. I remember I always hated Corn because they just felt evil and uh, and really weird. But, you know, there was Disturbed, and then Sum 41 came mm-hmm. along. And I love Sum 41. But then I just remember when you started getting into, like, um, Jimmy World, and then that turns it, and then Newfound Glory, and driving around in your CD jacket in the car or book had, like, 80 newfound glory <laughs> things and listening to that all the time. And I just, I loved it. I actually wrote a paper in my freshman year of college on why I think newfound glory should be in the rock and roll <laughs> hall of fame. And uh, <laughs> I think I got an F, I think I got an F, but um, I, I just love them and listening to them so much. And so that just opened me up. And then when you had your band scars, the proof that just like, that was amazing. I mean, taking back Sunday, brand new, Thursday, thrice, um, just 
all of that. And then that even got into like sort of getting into heavier stuff with Under Oath and then August Burns Red. Um, but it's funny, uh, that whole time we were also like in worship bands and stuff. So <laughs> there were like these two very different competing sides of me. And that kind of meshed a little bit into like MXPX at times or Reliant K. Um, but I never really felt like there was good until maybe August Burns Red or, or, uh, Under Earth, early Under Earth was like a good, something I could really get into. Everything else was kind of like way too jokey, punky, like Reliant K stuff. But, um, but it's funny because now my listening besides maybe August Burns Red, that's in, in Newfound Glory occasionally, that's like my only foray out of like singer songwriter worship or like chill music. I like I've totally gone this. I don't know why, but I I listen to a lot of just acoustic stuff now, um, or like Hillsong worship or Elevation worship. And I I don't know what what happened, <laughs> but that's just kind of what happened so okay so so before Corey goes what are your favorite what are the best two albums you've bought or downloaded or streamed or whatever this in the past year say okay before i say that uh in my life uh through being cool saves the day and probably one of the taking back sundays uh or the first one just because i those are the only two cds that i think i've like a tape you could play so much until it quit working i think i actually played a cd so much (laughs) it quit working um this past year, favorite CD I've downloaded, purchased. Um, this is going to sound weird, but my wife is from the Dominican Republic and speaks Spanish. So one of them is a Spanish worship album uh, called Por Encima del Sol by Jonathan and Sarah Yeres. It is like the best worship album I think I've heard in a long time. Um, so I recommend that. And then beyond that, um, there's a CD called, uh, I think it's like Celebrating the Last 30 Years, Sovereign Grace Music. And it's just this awesome compilation. I know I'm being really boring right now, but lately I've just been listening to the new Hillsong Worship album. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't, I, we got rid of our Spotify um, and so I've just been like, we have Alexa with some unlimited, uh, at the house, but I also just listen to YouTube and just kind of go put it on at work in the background and let it go. Um, so I feel like I'm more of a, a collection than like a one specific kind of artist. Although I still do put on often like the new August Burns Red CD or album and, and listen to that a lot, except Natalia just hates that. So I have to get one of them in the car <laughs> All right, so I I am a music follower. So here's my problem is I like all music. Like there are very few um I mean I'm sure there's something out there that I'm like yeah, I'm good. Like I don't I don't want to listen to that or you know, I don't like that as much. But it it doesn't really matter. Like I like music. Have you always been like that? Always been the case, right? It's always ever since I was a little kid. So I mean, I grew up basically just listening to whatever my brothers listened to because that's what we had in the house. Um, and I didn't really care. Like, it was just like, Oh, that's good music. I like that music. Right. So whether it was classic rock or whether it was, you know, rap or whether it was rock, whatever, whatever it was. Um, I think the first, um, 
Oh, I can vividly remember the first like CD or tape or whatever it was that I remember listening to on my own over and over again was Blues Traveler. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, man, it's hard to say what it is I see. Look around the world, pretty baby. Yeah. Listen, the way, like the harmonica just did it for me. I don't understand why, but it did. Okay. Um. So, but that was the first one I remember. But then, like, it's 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 funny as you guys have talked. I'm like checking off bands, right? It's like, oh yeah, I had that season. 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 The the one that you didn't mention that I had when I was in like the high school years was um my pregame ritual was Slipknot. Oh right? so I was, yeah, I, I listened to Slipknot before football games, right? So um, and I felt bad about it. Like I wasn't like, well, not in the moment, but I was like, <laughs> now thinking back about it, it's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been listening to Slipknot. But at the same time, there was no better pump up music than, mm-hmm. than, you know, just somebody screaming at me. Um, but so <laughs> then I kind of define my music trajectory more by like, um, concerts that I went to because the live version of music impacts me way differently than the the CD version. Like I appreciate the CD version. I like the CD version. I love listening to music. Um, the first time, the first concert I ever went to was an Aerosmith concert with my brother. And I vividly remember, I vividly remember going to Aerosmith and thinking that's crazy. And that one, then that was the other time I remembered thinking how on earth did Steven Tyler make his voice sound like that in um dream on i was like how did that how did that guy sing dream on like that doesn't make any sense to me these can't be the same people like there had to be somebody else that came in and sang that song but um the the next concert i vividly remember um this wasn't the next one i went to but the next one i vividly remember was i went to a muse concert Mm. in when i lived when i lived in chicago and and where where aerosmith was straight music and like you know, just get you out of your seat and like, just entertain the crap out of you. Muse was a production. Like it was a show. There were lights and they were, they were doing weird, crazy things. Right. I mean, and like, as I'm telling you this, as, as dumb as this is going to sound, as I'm telling you this, I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about that show. Cause it was like a significantly smaller show, but it was just everywhere. It was all over the place. And, and it was really cool. Um, can I, can I wait, can I just pause right there and name drop for you? Uh, when you lived in Chicago, you – I explicitly remember this. You told me, hey, there's this local guy out here. You have to check him out. He's going to be big, and he's awesome. His name is Matt Kearney. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. This last this last week and a half, I introduced Natalia to the Nothing Left to Lose album, yeah. and we have been listening to it nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. So, so – that- so then there's that there's that phase, right? Um, I remember Josh going to Passion with you, right? And that was the first time I ever cried at a musical event, right? And I could not for the life of you well, I mean, Jesus, but it's like I couldn't really for the for the life of you in the moment tell you why, but there was something about the music that was being played. I don't remember who was playing it, I don't remember what was going on, but I couldn't sing anymore. Like all I could do was cry, right? Like I like that was the only thing I could do. And it was sheer joy. Like it was just sheer like so that was crazy um i remember um oh hold on i'm blanking i'm like i had more in my brain as you guys were talking about the different things but it's like all of those albums that you've talked about like i've i've poured into those albums um, or at least most of them i've poured into albums some more than others i think right now um because of the nature of the of the work that i do uh, Josh, I'm similar to you. Katie hates anything that's screaming. Yep. The fall of Troy. 
like I love Fall Watcher. I know you love it, right? Like, so it's like I, I I love it, um, but I can't do that open in like the open forum. So I don't get that as much. Uh, but it's mainly been music that I I have to listen to while something else is happening. So I'm either writing a paper, I'm doing admin work, I'm researching, or I'm doing something like that. So it's a lot of like chill step. It's a lot of dubstep. It's a lot of um, like 80s synth wave because I can't do lyrics while I'm doing that other work or else my brain, my brain doesn't work right. So that'll be on YouTube while I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Um, if I can do lyrics in the moment, um, I've been doing a lot of Our Last Night. Mm. Oh, then, yeah. I like them. And then the complete, the complete opposite end of the spectrum would be uh jesus culture mm-hmm. or um i got back into recently nickel creek right because i i'm, I'm a sucker for a banjo and a um and a violin or a banjo mm-hmm. and a fiddle so it's like i'm I've, I've been this way since i was a little kid i'm all over the place i'm always all over the place i don't i will always be all over the place nickel creek doubting thomas will get you every time yep yep and, and I, um i i'm a i'm a fan of um the lighthouse mm-hmm you know yeah. um so okay so but but favorite two albums in the last year if you, if you had to okay, my, under your head my favorite my favorite two albums in the last year if i had to pick them do i have to say the name of them because i don't know the name of albums i just listen to music well make it up okay so it's whatever our last night's mm-hmm. most recent album would be yeah um and it's not their cover stuff it's like their are it's like let let the cool. light let the light overtake the darkness or something like that. Yeah. Or something. yeah it, but it's good. It's really good. It's really um, good. so that, that one's really good. And then the other one would be one of the, hold on. I'm pulling it up on iTunes right now on my, um, it's a live album from Jesus culture. So, um, it's just, you know, I, I think the, the female vocal in Jesus culture is just phenomenal. Um, and I just really dig, dig that album. So those are probably the two, that are really sitting sitting with me right now. Cool. Um, for 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 me, it is uh, an honorable mention to August Burns' Red Guardians mm-hmm. because it is great. And I had I had my uh, boys head banging to it in the living room. Um, but my two that I cannot stop to the point where I think I have a problem listening to John Mark McMillan, Peopled with Dreams, and The Devil Wears Prada. The act are they're both extremely weird even even like compared to stuff that that artist has put out in the past they're extremely weird albums i cannot i forced myself because i love everything john mark mcmillan's ever done i forced myself to keep listening to people with dreams over and over again and now i can't get it out of my head and (laughs) and and here's something that's really going going away you talk about netflix and all these things and like things of the past we were talking about our tapes that we had uh, the reason I ever listened to the act by the Devil Wars Prada is it has the best cover of an album. And I can't even tell you why. It's like some artist's depiction of hell or like people like like a Dante's Inferno kind of thing, like going into hell. But the co- the red on the cover and just the whole picture of it, like it is so – to me, it just captures my attention every time. And I listen to it because I used to like them a long time ago and, and I haven't been keeping up with them, but I saw they had a new album out and I started listening to it. And it was super weird. And I'm like, ah, I don't think so. But the cover like just caught my attention. And every time I'd be on like um, YouTube music or something, it would pop up as a suggestion. I was like, man, that is beautiful art. 
And so finally, for whatever reason, I started listening to it. And now I, I love, I'm in love with it, actually. I love it so much. I haven't listened to the new John Mark McMillan. I think his last one, what was it? Not what was it? Mercury and Lightning? Yeah, Mercury and Lightning. I, I got into it a little bit, but I feel like he, I'm not saying, he, he just, each album is like a, a progression and it's different. And I don't know whether he's like, on the verge of like the cutting edge of, of progression or he's like going insane slowly. <laughs> and, like, I've never heard of John Mark McMillan. I have no idea. Who oh yes, you have. yes, you have. He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. Uh, how he loves. Okay, I have heard, I have heard of John yeah. Mark McMillan. Yeah. I now know who this person's music yeah. is. I just didn't David, know the person. David okay. Crowder stole that and changed some of the words. And King of My Heart. Yeah, we should do a whole episode where we just sing. Yeah. Uh, no, we don't <laughs> do that. Hey, to Corey's, to Corey's earlier point, I do like all music. On the whole drive up here, I subjected Natalia to country music. So. But okay, okay. So you like all music, but. Do you do random on like a big giant bank of music? Because I can't do that. Like, no, I want to listen to one style of music and then intentionally shift to another style. No, I'll, I'm usually in the mood for a certain style. Yep, me yep, too. Me I too. can't. I can't do the jump. However, I will tell you something. I never liked classical music until I met and married Natalia, and she plays clarinet and is very good at it. And so she loves uh, classical music. And at first, every time it would come on, I'd be like, "Nah, I'm good," but Given it some time, like she's brought in my horizons into a lot of different music, and she's obviously brought a whole new genre of like just different styles of like uh, Latino culture music and Hispanic music into my life, which is just crazy. Tyler, did you hear? Your, did you hear your your brother just say Latino, and he said it with an accent, like he's not the whitest person that's ever. <laughs> hey. If I don't say it with the accent, Natalia gets mad at me because Listen, that's a that's a white person problem though. If you ever listen to yep. the news, I forget what the heck I think it's uh oh ESPN used to do this all the time. Like the whitest dudes on ESPN would be like, um, yeah, and you know, it was a great game by the Yankees and that home run by Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> You've ne- you don't even yeah. know a word of Spanish. Yeah. His his name's Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> 